0: Do so you go double kabasi? It's been known to happen. Holy crap! I mean, I could see you taking two kabassis at once in college, but probably not on a sandwich.
1: Adam Crowley on
0: ESPN Pittsburgh. Holy crap, there's a lot to get to today. Ben Roethlisberger spoke. And he wasn't mean to Mason Rudolph. Not to his face, but a little passive-aggressive to some reporters. Could have told you that was going to happen. In fact, I'm pretty sure I did. We will have full coverage of the first time that those two met later on in the show. It is the Crowley Show where your mom listens and you should too. 412 is the number to call Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian LaMartina sitting across from me. Shirtless Tom behind the glass. Back in studio, baby. I'm feeling good. Yesterday was, well, interesting. But we're here. We're fine. We're okay. We're back to normal. Everything's good. And an old couple's going to St. Louis to watch the Pirates lose. That's exactly what I would have hoped for from yesterday's contest. Pirates need another starter if they're going to compete. That's where I've landed. They need one more starting pitcher if they're going to be a wild card team or one that can compete for the second wild card. Their pitching's just not good enough. It's not. It's middle of the road right now in terms of ERA, but how many of their guys they throw out there do you feel comfortable about when they're on the mound? I'll go through my list. Wouldn't it be nice to have Cole? Oh, it'd be so great to have Garrett Cole right now, but we won't talk about that. We'll talk about the here and now. Trevor Williams has a 3.05 ERA. He got a nice taste of regression during his last performance. And I'll say what I've been saying all year long. He's a good pitcher who is pitching over his head. He's only striking out six guys per nine innings. It's great to have him in the rotation, but he's the only guy that can be counted on. He's also going to slow down a bit. Boy, it sure would be nice to have Garrett Cole. Jamison Tyon has all the stuff to be a number 1 pitcher in this league. He's got a great breaking ball. He can pump it up there in the mid-'90s with the fastball, but he's had just three quality starts this year in his nine appearances. For a supposed ace, he's got to be much better than his three nine seven ERA. Pirates thought they'd have one guy to rely on this year. They thought it would be Tyon, and that hasn't been the case. Sure would be nice to have Garrett Cole, right? Chad Cool's maddening. He's got great stuff. He's striking out almost one dude per inning. He can ramp it up into the high 90s, but he's given up nine home runs this year and has an ERA that's in the mid-fours. What's odd and not at all good is that he's actually got one more quality start than Jamison Tyon. I miss Garrett Cole. Yvonne Nova doesn't walk anyone, but he's the dude who's given up 66 hits in 56 innings. Yikes. Tom's face when I gave that stat was all I needed to see. He made the face that all of you did when driving home from your jobs. His ERA is closer to five than it is to four. He's a far cry from the dude who was an all-star caliber pitcher in the first half of last season. God, I wish I was naughty so I could get coal for Christmas. The Pirates rotation is filled with promise, upside, and possible regression, both positively and negatively. That is to say that there's a lot of unknown. A ton of inconsistency. If the Pirates want to be sure contenders, then they'll need to find someone, anyone, who can be consistent and give them a shot every five days. Garrett Cole, anyone? Well, he ain't walking through the door. How about Nick Kingham, though? His stuff works. He's striking out over 10 per game. He's giving the Bucks a chance every time out. It's about time that he gets given a shot to pitch once every five days. But here's the problem. The Pirates are trying to justify the Garrett Cole trade. And because of that, they'll be giving Joe Musgrove the spot in the rotation on Friday. They're going to see what he can add to this pitching staff as a starter instead of a reliever. He had an ERA over six last year in Houston from the rotation. He was stellar from the pen. Sure, let's go with that guy instead of Kingham, who's impressed every time he's pitched. I'm trying desperately, although not successfully, to bring up Garrett Cole. The Pirates are trying desperately to rationalize the Cole trade by putting a dude in the rotation who belongs in the pen. Moran's a good player. Musgrove can be one in the bullpen. The Pirates already lose the trade as far as I'm concerned because they don't have a Cy Young caliber pitcher in the Astros, do, But they shouldn't allow their hubris to make them lose the trade for a second time. Kingham belongs in the rotation. Musgrove belongs in the pen. Enough trying to force a round peg into a square hole just to make your trade look better, Pirates. How about that for a Pirates hot take? Start the show. There's this talk of sitting Polanco for Austin Meadows, and I think that's incredibly short-sighted. Austin Meadows is hitting, yes, 455 in his short stint in the majors, Gregory Polanco is one for his last 15, and he's swinging through pitches left and right, also popping up pitches that he does make contact with. He's clearly not right at the present moment, despite having an overall decent month, and that's led some at the station across the street and in other various forums to suggest sitting Polanco down for Austin Meadows. I get you. You're always looking for a quick fix. A hot take. Gregory Polanco's got a career OPS of 720 in the majors in his career that's not great this year though it's almost 800 that's pretty good austin meadows ops over the last few years in AAA is hovering in the mid 700s i tried to keep the crazy subsided when meadows was called up i said don't get your hopes up and expect that he's gonna stick around but now pirates fans and media members alike are like yo this dude's gonna take a place of polanco the hell out of here peeps He's been great through three games and 11 plate appearances. That's it for Austin Meadows. That's nothing. That's less than 2% of a full Major League season. And you're going to use that small sample size as a justification that that guy should take the place of one of the players on this roster who's actually had some pop? He's hit more home runs than anybody else on the team. That's bad ball, especially with Marte out. And even if this continues... And you want to make that change when Marte comes back, it's still a bad, terrible idea. Meadows still needs to play every day in AAA to get better. Eventually, he'll be exposed at this level, since, in my view, he's not ready yet. Sports media folks are prisoners of the moment, big time. Sports fans are all about that recency bias. I will not fall victim into that trap. It ain't gonna happen. Here's hoping that Meadows continues to produce and then goes to AAA where he can have a standout season. Polanco's never lived up to his expectations, and I don't expect him to ever become the player that we all hoped that he could, but that doesn't mean that he's not the better option over the course of this year. He's on pace for 30 home runs. He's never achieved that potential, but Meadows still can. And the best way for him to do that is not to play in the majors, but to get better in the minors. When Marte gets back, that's what I hope to see. John Parado of the Parado Report going to join me at 540 today to weigh in on that. And the buck goes overall. Jason Mackey is going to be joining us in about 12 minutes here on the show. He was just in Vegas. He's been in Washington. I want to get his thoughts on what the Vegas Golden Knights are doing. I want to get his thoughts on Washington extending that series. Whoa, baby. They're alive. For now. I hope Washington loses to Flurry. That's where I am. Yesterday I settled in, I watched the Capitals thoroughly outplay the Tampa Bay Lightning to even up the series, and the entire time I was rooting for Tampa, the whole time, I wanted the Washington Collapsitals to make their appearance. It's what they're best at, right? Giving their fans a reason to believe before urinating down their legs. They were up two games to nil in the Eastern Conference Final, and losing the next four games is a very Washington Collapsitals thing to do. It didn't happen. They gave their fans hope now, and they can get to the cup final after winning Game 7. They stopped Tampa's momentum. What happens next? Well, there are two options that I think would be delightful. They could lose to Tampa after making their fans think that a win was possible, or they could beat Tampa and be staring an old friend in the face with the cup on the line. Marc-Andre Fleury thwarted Alexander Ovechkin in 2009 on a breakaway. The Capitals lost in seven. And it was one of the best moments of the Penguins' storied season. Last year, the Capitals roared back from down three to one in the series. Their fans had hope. They believed. They looked like the far better team. And then Ovechkin looked like he tied the game on a one-timer from the slot. But Marc-Andre Fleury's smiling face was staring back at him. And then Marc-Andre Fleury did something quite funny with the butt end of his stick. It looked like he was waxing a carrot. Ovechkin has been snake bit against the Penguins in three out of four series that the teams have played in this era. Twice, thy snake's name was Marc-Andre Fleury. So after last night's game, I realized I had it all wrong. I was rooting for Tampa to say goodnight, so then I didn't have to worry about the possibility of the Caps winning at all. But it would cause those fans and that team even more pain to get the Stanley Cup Final in their sights and to see Marc-Andre Fleury again. This time with Vegas. What say you? Four one two nine two two is the topic of the unsponsored <clears throat> Twitter poll. At underscore Adam Crowley. So far, 65% of want to see the Caps lose Game 7. 35% of Yins want to see Fleury thwart Ovechkin. That's where I sit. It's also the sexier matchup for the league. Ovechkin trying to get his... First, after suffering throughout his career, only to be greeted by Marc-Andre Fleury at the Pearly Gates. And it's the team that's the best story, not just in hockey, but in sports right now. Holy cow balls, that's a damn good storyline. And you know how I love to root for the good storyline. Again, Jason Mackey coming up in nine minutes here on the show. Are the Steelers better today than at the end of the season? OTAs have That means spring's eternal, baby. What? Let's go. Steelers are going to be great. I do think they're going to be great. I do think that they're better than they were last year, at least right now. Now, most teams are, but the Steelers fit that bill. Morgan Burnett is a better player than Mike Mitchell, period. Mike Mitchell played through injuries, and because of that, he was not the player that they needed him to be. Far too many miscommunications on the back end. Certainly not all his fault, but if you are the last line of defense, he had a big hand in it. So Morgan Burnett's going to be better. John Bostick, when healthy, is a good player. He had 100 tackles last year for Indy. He's better than Sean Spence and the other crap that they had to deal with in the middle of the field at the end of last season after Shazier's injury. You never really got to see Tyler Maticiewicz because he was hurt. So Bostick ain't Shazier. He's not going to try to be Shazier. No one needs to think he's going to be Shazier, but he's better than what they fielded against the Jacksonville Jacks. Hayden's going to be healthy, and he was very good last year when he was. He wasn't great, but he was the best that they had. It's also another year of experience for Hargrave, for Watt, for Burns, for Davis, for Hilton, and Sutton. They'll have the ability to match up with teams this year. It's something that they could not do at the end of last season because the roster wasn't good enough. They didn't have the depth. They didn't have enough players. Hayden got hurt, plus Gay just wasn't good, and Sutton was also hurt, and then he started to play once he was healthy, but he was still a rookie. On offense, I'm not so sure they're going to be as good as last year. I like the idea of a new coordinator, but there's no guarantee that he will be better. I think maybe the quarterback sneak will be in the playbook. There's an idea. Fingers crossed. Maybe they get better in the red zone. I don't know. There's an idea. Fingers crossed. We shall see. Martavis wasn't great last year, but he was a proven commodity when he was on the field. James Washington could be that guy this year, but again, you just don't know. Le'Veon took a small step back last year. If he takes another one this year, well, they're in trouble. But because the offense was so good towards the end of last year, plus the net positive from the defensive additions, I think overall this team is better on paper than last year's team. Vance McDonald came on down the stretch. They've got options on the offensive side, even if The coordinator's not as good. Even if you don't see the production from James Washington, they still have the ability to put up 27, 26, 25 points per game. Dale Lawley's going to join me at 5. He was at OTA's broadcasting on ESPN, Pittsburgh, and Steelers Nation Radio. He'll answer that question for me. Ben Roethlisberger spoke. We'll get to that coming up around 5.20. Jason Mackey's up next, though, to tell us about his conversation with Jim Rutherford and to talk about the Vegas Golden Knights, baby. The Marc-Andre Fleury Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. You'll use every club in your bag on the meticulously maintained Seven Springs and Hidden Valley Golf Courses. These mountaintop courses take maximum advantage of the mountain vistas of the Laurel Highlands. Play two dynamic courses that are each beginner-friendly yet present a challenging round to the advanced golfer. The ultimate Laurel Highlands golf getaway is back. Play both Seven Springs and Hidden Valley. One and two night lodging packages at Seven Springs are available. For more information, visit the number Sevensprings.com. Seven Springs, your headquarters for outdoor fun. People are still arguing about Flurry and Murray on the interwebs, and I'm done with it. <laughs> I'm never, done with it! They'll never stop. Wait till Flurry wins the cup. Ho ho ho. Oh <laughs> that's, that's
1: where that's where it all
0: starts uh, again. Rips the aid right off. Yeah, man. I can't wait. <laughs> Go flurry. Seventy percent chance of Flurries coming up. According to Albert Breer from the Monday morning quarterback, one idea that was floated in a private session at NFL meetings is that the home team would decide whether teams would come out for the national anthem. And there would be 15-yard penalties assessed to any players that kneel. Oh, dear Jesus. We'll get into that later on in the program. But now, hockey. Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette joins us now on the show. Mac Daddy, how are you? I'm doing great, pal. How are you? I'm fantabulous, and it's because I read your 20... Uh, thoughts on the penguins this morning and that's why you're on the program now you got to stop putting out quality content and then i'll stop asking you to come on
1: <laughs> admit it pal it has nothing to do with me you're just hurting for content it's Damn it. a slow news day you got to look to fill Be like, works too much i'll have him on
0: yeah i guess that's well that's you just i mean that's uh, that's uh, really, it's, it's it's okay it's fine it's accurate i'd be talking about this monday morning quarterback thing for the next three hours if it weren't for you. All right, let's go. And you like hockey. I do I like hockey. I
1: work too much because the Post-Gazette makes me work too much. I work too much
0: because I I like it. So, anyway. Right, now you're just getting in your kiss-ass shot on the radio. Okay, I see how you play the game, Mackie. Jason No, Mackie. no I'm
1: not getting in my kiss-ass shot. I'm getting in my – I don't want my employer to think that I'm throwing him under the bus because I, I do
0: most of it well. See, that's anyway. how you stay employed. I should learn a thing or two about you uh, from you, Jason <laughs> Mackie. Uh, Mac Daddy, Brian Rust, extension. Sounds like something – uh, that Jim Rutherford really wants to get done.
1: Yeah. And I think Jim, uh, in, in what he said to me and, and how he phrased it, I, I just think he doesn't want to paint himself into a corner. That's why the wording was what it was. It was basically, you know, he would like to do it. Assuming the cap pans out to be what he expects it to be. And I think it will. Um, but there's no question whether the penguins like this guy, whether he's a useful player and all that stuff. I mean, they love him. They just have to agree on a number. I think Rust wants to be here. Um, so it's just a formality. You know, I would look at, if we're going to look at a number, I'm sure that's probably the next question you're thinking about. But, um, you know, it, Connor Sherry got three three last summer. I, I don't see how Russ doesn't get at least three and a half, maybe 3.75.
0: Brian Russ a better player. He'll play 200 feet. Yep. He, he scored big goals. He'll so go to the front of the net. He does things that connor sherry just doesn't do and that's not a knock on connor sherry that's just the truth one of the things that jim rutherford was talking about with you was that the penguins want to have more scoring from the bottom six and specifically that fourth line one of the reasons why brian rust is so useful is because maybe he can be an answer on that fourth line
1: absolutely absolutely i think the way when the penguins go and look to stack out their lines next season I mean, that's an important part to have rust and and probably have rust in a bottom six capacity because he does add something there. Um, I know Jim feels very strongly about Daniel Sprong. We know that. Um, I I think it's a reasonable assumption to think that he's going to start with Sid and Jake Gensel. And so, right now, you'd probably put up Gennie Malkin with the two Swedes. If you play Connor Sherry with Derek Broussard and Phil Kessel, that can be an effective line. And that gives you a fourth-liner Brian Rust, And that's some plus offense there, especially alongside Riley Shane. And so, I mean, it's certainly a key to the Penguins doing what they want to do and having a better fourth line than they did this past season.
0: You just dropped a little nugget there. Daniel Sprung on that top line, huh? I mean, that's what I think, Adam. I can't
1: say that I got that from any sort of intel um, with Jim Rutherford or anything like that. I didn't, but um, where I'm going with that is, I mean, one, he has familiarity with Sid. I think Sid likes playing with him, and it works. Um, he won't work with Evgeny Malkin because Mike Sullivan wants Malkin to be the primary shooter on that line, and that's just a terrible match if that's what they want to do, and you know, you're could play him with Broussard, but I would say all things being equal, some familiarity with Crosby when this kid's like, you know, the first time he's an NHL regular in a top six role. I just think it really helps him and especially defensively to be with Sidney Crosby.
0: Do the Penguins listen to offers for a guy like Phil Kessel in one part because Daniel Sprong is kind of like Kessel light.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think I've gotten some, some feedback from this on Twitter. and I think people are taking, that is like the predominant reason. You know, it's not like Jim Rutherford became enamored with Daniel Sprong, thus he wants to trade Phil Kessel. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of one of the, you know, one of the branches on the tree, so to speak. I mean, Phil Kessel makes a lot of money. He didn't have a very good playoff. I think he probably rankled some people, Mike Sullivan, maybe Jim Rutherford for his adherence to the Iron Man streak. And I don't think the Penguins thought when they acquired Phil Kessel in the first place that he was ever going to finish that contract out here. They just have too many young wingers, and that's the way you stay competitive. The first two years, like let's say the Penguins trade Kessel this offseason. Like the first two years, that deal might look bad. Kessel might go somewhere else and produce. But I think what they want to avoid is having like a 34-year-old Phil Kessel making 6.8 million bucks and just tying them up for everything else and so that's why yeah i think they'll listen i, I don't have a great enough sense on um, what any of the offers are if there's a market if there are offers if there aren't offers I, there is no indication of any of that stuff the only thing why i wrote what i wrote today is i think it would make a lot of sense for them to at least listen and i think jim would be foolish not to do that
0: yeah same thing with chris Latang, yes yeah, it's a little different it's a
1: little bit different in the sense that i don't think there would be as much of a market for Latang sure. as there is for castle just because of the season he had last year i mean Phil's stock is sky high right now it, it it's never going to be higher than it is right now i can't say that about crystal tank
0: yeah crystal Tang did not put up 92 points and by the way uh there uh the player for the kings whose name is now escaping me anze kopitar Uh, who is up for the Hart Trophy, had just as many points as Phil Kessel did this year. Now he's a two-way player, but that just tells you how well Phil Kessel played during the regular season. Uh, Jason Mackey joining us here on the Crowley Show. Do you think Rutherford likes Dominic Simone as much as Mike Sullivan seems to like Dominic Simone?
1: I don't know if Dominic Simone's mother likes Dominic Simone as much as Mike (laughs) Sullivan seems to like Dominic Simone. Um, That's a little bit baffling. Um, I I think Jim likes Dominic Simone. But I think Jim got a little irritated that Daniel Sprong wasn't being included in the team's plans Um, for one reason, that he's on an entry-level contract, you know, next peanuts. He's an RFA. He's going to make peanuts next year, too. And when you have guys producing on deals like that, that helps out the general manager. And I I just, for whatever reason, I think there was a bit of a reticence on, on Sullivan's part to use Daniel Sprong, whereas Dominic Simone got, like, all the ice time he needed and more. Um, and so I think that's why, or at least a little bit of why Jim said what he said at his season-ending press conference, that you're going to see Daniel Sprong next season. And I know um, this is in my 20 thoughts as well, but Jim basically said that, you know, Daniel Sprong's progress has been delayed enough. We, we've waited. We've been careful enough. It's time to take the training wheels off and see what we have. And I think that's a very fair way of looking at it with him.
0: Rutherford, in your piece, says he wants to add a bottom D pair to lessen the minutes for Chris Letang. I don't think there's a better defenseman on the market that they could acquire than Chris Letang if he plays up to his capabilities, and it sounds like Rutherford thinks that less is more for uh, for Chris Letang.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's fair, um, and, and we're looking somewhat 5-on-5. Five five. I think Jim would like to see that third pair be a little bit more effective, I think the, the two cup years, they had Cole and Schultz as their third pair, and that was really um, a bonus for them. I mean, that was a better third pair probably than any third pair in the league. And you saw that drop off a little bit this season. And so uh, Jim wants a right-handed guy, preferably. He's not going to like marry himself to getting a righty for that pair. Um, but somebody who can play in, in special team situations, who can be steady enough five-on-five. Five. And you know what? That's a reasonable add. July 1, there's going to be guys like that out there. I think probably based on the age of the team, the experience level, and some of the stuff they they lost, I wouldn't be surprised to see that be a veteran guy. It's not going to be a big splashy move or something like that, but I do think it's smart, and I I think this isn't the first time that Jim has brought up LeTang's minutes either, And, and I'm not sure Chris LeTang wants to hear that they want to control his minutes, but I do think that's something coming from the GM that he'd like Lieutenant to be playing a little bit less than I think it was 25-15 he played this year, so maybe in the 23-24 range.
0: It was kind of odd to me how it seemed like Jim Rutherford diminished the importance of Ian Cole on the back-to-back cup-winning teams.
1: Yeah, I was a little thrown by that too, Adam. I'm not going to lie. I-, I thought you know, I-, I thought Ian Cole was a really important part of those two teams. I thought Ian Cole, um, you, know, you can say what you want about how he... Um, handled the media, how he continued to handle the media when he knew that that sort of rubbed Mike Sullivan the wrong way. Cole just decided to continue doing what he's always done and you know probably could have handled that better if we're being honest here. Uh, but as far as how he played on the ice, man, I mean, that guy gave everything he had. Whether he was happy or unhappy, he was an effective player. You can look at the numbers. You can look at how his teammates received him. You can look at how effective he was on the ice. I mean, I had zero problems with Woody and Cole. Did in Pittsburgh, if you want to look at it and say, "Hey, we weren't going to keep this guy anyway. He's going to go make more than more comfortable pay," and I think that's fair because I think Ian Cole's going to get between four and five million on July one, and good for him. And that doesn't make sense for the Penguins to pay that when they're already paying with Tang, Dumba, and and Schultz. But uh, to say he, you know, didn't do much or kind of had like a year and a half or whatever Rutherford said, where he wasn't happy with his role, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't totally buy that.
0: Tristan Jari, backup goalie for the Penguins next year? I don't think so,
1: Adam. I, I don't, and here's why. Um, everything I've seen with Tristan Jari mentally, I think that kid, if he got a run of it's almost like Marc-Andre Fleury, like there are certain people that are capable of handling the backup goaltender role and, like, you know, thriving on spot duty. I think Casey DeSmith does that reasonably well. And there are certain guys that need steady starts. And I think Tristan Jari will be a very good goalie in this league, but I think he needs to be playing all the time to get that. It's kind of like a feel thing and to be in the mix and whatever. Um, so I, I just, I don't, I don't see that. And I, I do think that it makes too much sense for them to ponder trading Tristan Jari. I understand it's in Rutherford's best interest to say that he's going to compete for an NHL job. I mean, obviously he's not going to outwardly say like, Hey, I'm going to trade Tristan Jari. You know, I don't expect him to say that, but I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up moving him.
0: Last couple of things for Jason Mackey here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Jason, I do not like the Washington Capitals for a myriad of different reasons. However, I think I'm rooting for him on Wednesday night because I would love to see the story of Ovechkin in the Capitals trying to get over the hump against the greatest story in sports this year. And, oh, yeah, by the way, it's Mark andre Fleury trying to thwart Alex Ovechkin. Uh, I think that's what's best for the league, too. I'm with you,
1: Crowley. I'm with you, man. I, I think it would be an interesting story. Uh, and you know what? Like, let's, let's call a spade a spade here. Alex Ovechkin is a terrific player. He's one of our generation's best talents. He's one of the best goal scorers in the history of the league. Like, that guy deserves a chance to play for a Stanley Cup. And anybody who's watched these playoffs and can reasonably say that Alex Ovechkin hasn't given it everything that he's had, especially, you know, watching that game last night, watching what he did to the Penguins. I mean, this is a guy that wants it. And, and I agree. I mean, I think people in Pittsburgh, understandably, have some problems with like Tom Wilson and some other things the Capitals do, and that's fine. But and this is an all-time great here, and, and I just think it would be terrific if he had a chance to play for a Cup. And like you said, if he's opposite Flurry, which is kind of hilarious. I mean, based on how much Flurry has tortured the Capitals over the years, but. I think it would make some great theater in the Stanley Cup Final.
0: It would. I wonder how much Alexander Ovechkin would like it. Probably not.
1: I don't think he would. No, no. But I don't think he has anything. You know, there's not really much he can do about it. I don't think anybody wants to play Vegas right now. To be honest with you, I mean oh they're playing so well. They're such a good team. They're such a pain in the butt to play against. I mean that's in Tampa or uh, Washington. I don't care who it is. I mean that is just not. That's not what you want to see coming out of the other bracket.
0: Apart from a total Flurry meltdown, I would have him the Con Smythe winner no matter what happens in the cup final.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And and honestly, you know, let's say it goes seven and they don't win or something like that, and Flurry continues to play as well as he has, and, and Washington is just one goal better. I mean, unless like Ovechkin scores like 10 goals in the right. Cup final or something like that, I mean, I still think Flurry's in consideration. It's been absolutely incredible.
0: Yeah. Uh, this is the first year that it seemed like Alexander Ovechkin's gotten help from players up and down his lineup, which is one of the reasons why they are where they are. Meanwhile, yes, the same thing's happening in Vegas, but they don't sniff this if Marc Andre Fleury's not doing the splits every damn night.
1: No, they don't, but you know what, and I don't say this to take any credit away from Vegas and, and Fleury and anything like that, and I wrote this today, they do play a system that is tremendously friendly to goaltenders, yeah. you know, and they've had some kids... What Oscar dance come in and uh, Maxime um, Lagasse, I think is how you say his last name. Malcolm Subban, like they've had a couple kids come out of nowhere, come in there and play well. You know, Fleury's asked to make like what five or six, eight saves and night, eat something like that. And, I mean, to his credit, he's made them. I'm not, I'm not knocking it by any means, but I love Gerard going style. They get the puck out quickly. They play fast. They get out of their own zone. They don't spend a lot of time there, and so it is. It does tend to be fairly easy or easier on a goaltender.
0: Yes or no, the Penguins are still playing if marc Andre Fleury's here.
1: Uh, no, I don't think they are. I just think there was, I think there were too many flaws in other areas of their game. You know, you, you get that little secondary scoring that's hard to overcome. You know, Fleury's going to let in a few cheapies too. Everybody loves to look at this and say, "Oh, Mark Andre Fleury wouldn't do this," but when Mark Andre Fleury was here, he let in some cheap goals too especially early in periods, early in games. And, you know, I I think it might have happened as well. So I I don't think that goaltending was the difference. I mean, I I think that Braden Holtby outplayed Matt Murray, but I don't think it was the, like, be-all, end-all on the why the Capitals beat the Penguins.
0: No, if Ovechkin's coming in on a two-on-one four times in three games, uh, that's a little bit different than Vegas not allowing those kind of opportunities. And uh, I think it speaks to your prior point. Uh, There's... There was a time uh, a couple of years ago when the Julio Jones-Antonio Brown debate was scorching, and I've got a buddy who's a big Atlanta Falcons fan, and A.B. drops a ball, and he goes, Julio Jones wouldn't have dropped that, and I said, yeah, I know, neither would Antonio Brown have. It just happened to Antonio Brown right now, at this moment, because you're going to let in a bad goal from time to time. A receiver's going to drop a ball from time to time. I think you're spot on and all that. Uh, Jason, I probably should have dumped you before I told that completely uh, erroneous story that was very boring. Uh, thank you for your time, my friend. Anytime, pal. Thanks for having me. Have be, a good one. Be good. 20 more thoughts next Tuesday, all right? Well, now he's gone. He hung up on you. Irish exit. Oh, my gosh. Probably a smart move. Who knows if I was going to tell another incredibly boring football going story. You on some tangents there, yes. Yeah. Well, no, I made some sense. Oh, it made perfect sense. Yeah. It just wasn't interesting. Yeah, just try harder next time not to chase him away. Yeah. Uh, We Uh, need Mackie. He's great at his job, and he's never going to come back on. We're not going to come up with 20 thoughts on our own. (laughs) No, I need him, and I need to ask him about those 20 thoughts. Coming up next, guttural sounds from animals, or are they? And the Pirates begin a huge series with the Reds tonight. I actually mean that. Who would have thunk? We go around the bags. It's the Crowley show. I don't know if I knew that lynx were animals until today. Uh, there's a viral video of two links talking back and forth. At least I assume they're talking back and forth. I don't know. They could be fighting. They could be mating. God only knows. But they sound like people. Who who runs into this? Shut the hell up the let the links talk! Shut the hell up and let the links talk! That was an episode of Cookin' Pony! Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, I think I heard that one. That was very good. Yeah. The louder one was Ron. <laughs> That's meandering off on its own. I love that. I do. It's also the sound of Selena Williams having sex. Or, or playing tennis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like Tom trying to push out a dookie. Actually, it's the first conversation between Ben Roethlisberger and Mason Rudolph. It's actually me whenever I heard that the National Football League was considering penalizing players for kneeling during the National Anthem last year. Next year, sorry. That was just my reaction, though. Apoplectic. Upset! Sounding like a lynx! That's where we keep playing the drop, Tom. Ah! 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 For Around the Bags. It's time to go Around the Bags with the biggest D-bag on the Pittsburgh Airwaves. Adam Crowley. This sound is the, so- yes. is the sound that Rosie O'Donnell makes when she gets to first base. The Pirates need another starter to compete. They're not good enough in the rotation right now. When you can count on one guy every fifth day to have a quality start, that means your rotation's not good enough. And the Pirates only have one guy, and his name's Trevor Williams. He's got a three oh seven ERA. I'm guessing he winds up, though, at the end of the year closer to five. and while that's good and all, that's not necessarily number one starter type stuff. Chad cool has got an ERA in the mid-fours. Jamison Tyon's ERA basically is four. There is a solution. I've been screaming about it for weeks, but they have yet to do the solution. Here's what they're going to do, the Pirates. They're going to say, hey, Nick Kingham, you keep coming up and making spot starts, and we're going to go with Joe Musgrove In the damn rotation Joe Musgrove The guy who had a 6 plus ERA Last year in the Houston rotation Had an ERA under 2 In the bullpen And they're going to use him in the rotation Why? To justify that dumb Ass Garrett Cole trade. That's why, that's the reason they're going to go with Musgrove, well we gave up a starter So we better get a starter back Well you've got a good one Right there In Nick Kingham. And you've got a guy who you know can pitch in the bullpen. Put the bullpen guy in the bullpen. Let the starter be the starter. And that fixes the pitching to an extent. This is what Bill Clinton sounds like when he's getting this second base. That talk of sitting Polanco for Austin Meadows is short-sighted. I know Austin Meadows is hitting 455 right now, but it's three games! Three games! That's it, three games! And he's hitting 455 in 11 plate appearances. Yes, Polanco's won for his last 15, and he's clearly not playing well right now. He can't field in the outfield. That's been a problem his whole career. He runs around like something that would make this noise. And he can't catch the ball. It's a total disaster. But I think that it's recency bias right now With what happened this series To go with Austin Meadows Instead of Gregory Polanco in right field I know you're always looking for a quick fix A hot take Polanco's got a career OPS of 720 in the Major League It's not great But he's got an OPS this year of around 800 That's pretty good Austin Meadows in the minors At the AAA level Had an OPS of 750 He ain't ready to go now And while Polanco's not playing great, I understand the reasoning to say, let's go in a different direction. But I have more faith in Polanco playing better over the long haul than I do Meadows right now. This is what Prince Harry sounded like when he got to third base on his wedding night. Tonight, it's the two fake aces facing off in the Queen City, baby. Let's see who can be king. Couple of diamonds in the rough. Who's got a better poker face? I'm done. It's the Dark Knight versus Tyone. Harvey versus the Pirates, supposed best pitcher. Tyone is a lot closer to reaching his potential, obviously, than Harvey, whose career with the Mets went down faster than Mia Khalifa. He's got a 617 ERA this year, but has given up three runs in eight innings in Cincinnati. That's right, he's turned it all around, eight innings. That's two starts. Two short starts. Like Rick Pitino. He ain't going deep into games just yet. Meanwhile, Tyon gave up two in five and two-thirds his last time out. Speaking of Rick Pitino, this is the sound that he makes. When he's going for home. Now, what you need to do the next time, Tom, is just shave off the entire sound the Lynx makes. Just... Make the link sound like half a second. Let's do, let's do it one more time. This is the sound that Rick Patino makes when he's going for home. The Pirates are 3-3 three and three in their stretch where I said they should go 7-2. and two. That is less than ideal. But a sweep in Cincy could make us all forget about that bad series against the Padres. They'd be 29-20. and 20, Just one game off the pace that I wanted them to be at. And it starts tonight. I think this is the biggest series of the year to date. I do. No hyperbole, no recency buys. I just think that's the case. Go two and one, and the Buckos are five and four in that stretch they didn't take advantage. Go three and zero, oh, sweep the red legs, beat that bad baseball team. And you're six and three against those bad teams before a hellish stretch that now waits ahead of them. It's big. The knock on the Pirates last year was that they didn't beat up on bad teams, specifically the Reds, who they went 6-13 and against. Now, they've been okay against bad teams. They were 18-5 and before they went 1-3 and against the Padres. I'm not going to do that math in my head right now, but that means the winning percentage is going down. Show us, Pirates, that you can continue to beat up on the teams that you're supposed to beat up on, or else the people who were starting to buy in are going to lose all their faith Altogether, Hi! You can put this edition of Around the Bags in the books. And would you just listen to that crowd? Ah! They sound like absolute animals. Hey, we'll catch you again tomorrow. We'll make another trip around the bags. Adam wins. Adam wins. This is the sound that I made my first night that I ever went out to Steelers training camp. A little too much to drink. We've all been there. It's a thing. Dale Lolly was there. He'll join us next. He of DKPittsburghSports.com and, of course, the Steelers Radio Network and Steelers Nation Radio. Hmm. Did Ben and Mason exchange salty glances? Is Jalen Samuels the future at running back? Did Randy Featner call a quarterback snake? It's all on the way. It's a Crowley show.